Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, December 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. College football games are being canceled all over the country, and basketball games are getting postponed because of the pandemic. But one campus town will be the center of attention this weekend, Columbia, Missouri. The Missouri Tigers are involved in a pair of high-profile contests, a football game against Georgia, ninth in the college football playoff rankings. That begins at 11 a.m. And then the Bragg and Rights basketball game against 6th-ranked Illinois at 7 p.m. This game's on campus and not in St. Louis. It's been a terrific few weeks for the Tigers. The football team's coming off a dramatic victory over Arkansas to improve to 5-3, and three. The basketball team is off to an impressive 4-0 start. On today's show, we talk about both teams with beat writer Soichi Tirada and columnist Vahe Gregorian. So let's get started. All right, I got Soichi and Vahe here. And guys, I'm looking at this weekend's college football schedule, and I count nine games that have been canceled or postponed at this point. I don't know if you, how you can postpone a game. It's, it's got to be canceled. But including uh, included on this list, Michigan at Ohio State, Ole Miss at Texas A&M, Cincinnati at Tulsa, games between ranked teams, Oklahoma at West Virginia, Purdue at Indiana, and Texas at Kansas. That means the, the season is over for the Jayhawks, and they come in at 0-9. Um, <laughs> Good for matching them. matching the, uh, the the fewest losses in the season uh, nine uh, in in uh, I don't know more than a decade so that's good news. Oh, gosh. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> that is so impressive. But, but, but one game that's not on the list as of yet: uh, Georgia at Missouri, 11 a.m. kickoff Saturday. I'm, I am really looking forward to this game, as I know you guys are. Let, let me let me preface this by saying we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so games have been canceled as late as Saturday morning during this college football season. Remember the the Clemson at Florida State game, but um, but we're gonna we're gonna discuss this game as if it's going to be played, and I, I hope it is. But uh, Suichi, you. You've been covering football now for a couple of seasons. This might be as big a game as you will have covered uh, on the Missouri beat. Yeah, Blair, it is a ranked matchup, believe it or not, with the College Football Playoff Committee ranking Mizzou at number 25 in the nation. I don't think anybody really expected that. It just kind of popped up on the timeline, and then slowly but surely there was, I think, an initial wave of maybe uh, shock. Um, and, and, and everyone kind of embraced it. So I thought that was pretty cool on, on, for Mizzou's part. But yeah, like you said, Blair, it's, it's a big game. It'll be the first ranked Mizzou team I cover since, uh, the Vanderbilt loss on my first day. So that, that'll be kind of fun, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a very good Georgia Bulldogs squad. Obviously I don't, it, you know, maybe they didn't quite meet expectations because they did lose to Alabama and Florida and they kind of had, you know, maybe a little bit of a quarterback controversy throughout the season, but, you know, they've kind of stabilized that, especially with with Daniels, who is obviously the USC transfer. So they're looking pretty good there. Their defense is obviously um, still stout, still great. Eli Drinkwitz essentially called it a clone of the Alabama defense um, during his press conference this week. So you look at this and and you feel kind of excited, I think just because of a, you know, just, just the many kind of the narratives. And, and then you look at Mizzou, who, who has won three straight, 
five of the last six. And I know some people will point out that they aren't good opponents, but that's not necessarily Mizzou's fault. They can only play the teams that they play. And I think it's impressive just because Mizzou has shown that it can beat those bad teams that it's going to compete against in the SEC East going forward. So you, you feel good about it and, and you get a shot against what some one of the top two teams in the SEC East and, and you kind of just go from there, I think, and hope, hope for a win, just like just like the LSU game when they were, you know, nearly two touchdown underdogs. Hey, before we go any further, let's acknowledge the day, the entire day. It's not just a football game at 11, but Missouri, Illinois, bragging rights, uh, 7 p.m. start, I believe it is, uh, that night. And uh, we know Illinois is – they're their top ten, six, I think. Uh, anyway, it all adds up to a, a tremendous day for sports at, at Mizzou. And I was going down the list of the, of, the, of the football games that we know are canceled or postponed. And, you know, those, those campus towns are, you know, unhappy about not – having action, uh, you know, in their towns this weekend, Columbia, it's got as much action as uh, high-level competition as any day I can remember, Vahe. What, what do you think? I Listen, we, we can remember big days in, in Mizzou sports, uh, football games, when ESPN's game day was there for the OU game about a decade ago, and um, other, other big, you know, the first SEC game, remember when Georgia came in, but how about just with a, a football-basketball combo uh, pretty big day. Pretty pretty big day. And and as far as I can tell, and I, I don't know if this is official, but certainly in our memory, uh, first time Missouri will have played host in both football and men's basketball to a top 10 team on the same day. Now, there's a lot of reasons why that would be a hard combination to have just because of the timing of the seasons usually. So I think it's pretty cool. And it's, it is interesting. I mean, Columbia will be semi-hopping, right? But it won't be what it could be if uh, we were not in the COVID times. But um, it creates kind of an interesting backdrop for it all. And um, one thing, just real quick add on on something you guys were talking about regarding quality of opponents and such. I was speaking with a friend today, and he brought up kind of an interesting point. Uh, opening with Alabama is maybe not the ideal thing for a guy starting his uh, career at, at, a, at a school with his – you know, installing his first team and all that. But, but I think in an interesting way, it, it does give you a little truth serum from the get go about, you know, what, what you are, where you stand, where you have to go. And uh, you certainly can't say that they haven't maximized um, the rest of the season since then. And um, we'll see how they finish. Right. Uh, But I, I'm really looking forward to this game. I think it'll end up being an intriguing game. I, I could be wrong. But I, but I, I, I really like the arc of where they're headed. I like how they play. I like what they've got. Um, so we'll just see if they can uh, make that into something special. I think I saw Missouri's a thirteen-point underdog. Is it twelve or thirteen? Something like that. Double digits, um, I, I believe. So expectations are, uh, you know, not on Missouri sign in this game, but I think that's a good point, Vahe. That right, right out of the gate, and of course, Missouri. Folks were not happy with the the new SEC schedule that had them playing Alabama out of the gate. Alabama was, um, uh, you know, it was look you're, you're playing the preseason. I think at the time number two team, and that was an add on to to the schedule. But Missouri was respectable that night, and uh, of course they had the bad, uh, probably their worst game of the season the next week against Tennessee. But since then, as Suichi said, five out of six, and 
um, and, and playing really good football. Two of those five wins, of course, just in, in dramatic fashion against um, LSU, the goal line stand, the goal line stand, and then last weekend against Arkansas. I wanted to focus on those two games just as um, uh, as a point to say, um, you know, in both cases, I can. Uh, I, I was on social media, and a, a lot of folks uh, who are Missouri fans or very familiar with Missouri were in the "Oh no, here we go again," or. You know, I, I'm closing my eyes and I can't bear to watch this. Um, and in both cases, it, it it broke right for Missouri. And I don't know if that's you know we can we can we can talk about all the all the things that have gone wrong for Missouri football. Soichi wasn't around for for any of them, to be honest with you. But Vahe, <laughs> you and I have been, and um, and and it just. I don't know for for a program that's had so much misfortune in in sports, famous misfortune. Um, it, it's kind of neat to see Missouri win a couple of games the way they've won them this year. Well, I, yeah. I'll address I, I'll address the Soichi curse at another time when he comes <laughs> in, inherits a five and one squad to cover. But but uh, just just briefly, Blair, I, I I you're right. We do know that whole history and and what your muscle memory kind of does to you and the the. The Missouri fan would acknowledge being a tortured fan uh, for a lot of reasons. And so we've had these two examples this year in pretty, not exactly similar, but pretty dramatic fashion that, that reminds you that it doesn't have to be that way. And that, you know, it's a new era. Every game is its own game and things like that. And the, the last thing I'll say on this at this point is, is something that I, I found kind of, kind of interesting in hindsight I was pretty sure they were cooked when it, what was it, uh, 40 to 26 um, in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it was 40 to 26. I, I just didn't see much life in them. But when they fell behind, when it was 48 47 after that bizarre play, I, I can say this is true. I looked at the scoreboard. I thought 43 seconds, three timeouts. I, I see that happen all the time now here in Kansas City. Um, and I like uh, Connor's demeanor. And I figured they had a, a perfectly fine chance to kick a field goal there at the end. So part of that's maybe the Mahomes effect, but part of it's also from watching, um, I still can't say it right, Basilek, Basilek. <laughs> um, but I, 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 part of it's just from watching him and, and thinking that, you know, you can make things stand still around you if you have poise. Um, so anyway, that's my little bit on that. I realize a lot of fans have been kind of pointing to the end zone in, in which things, I guess, kind of happen. Um, especially for the LSU game, I know the north end zone is a little cursed, so the south came through. And then I guess Arkansas scored that two-point conversion in the south end zone, but it, it ended up working out. But, uh, yes, I, I have had a few fans point that out to me, which I think is a, a little funny. Yeah, I mean, and we we you know we know what they are, right? The flea kicker game and and others. But I would add to that the Kentucky game a few years ago, wouldn't you, Vahe? Mm-hmm. When yeah, was, for sure. Pass interference, the phantom pass interference, offensive pass interference. Anyway, um, it's yeah. just uh, it, it's just neat to see breaks go Missouri's way, and they created the breaks in in the um, in, in, in both games. Nick, Bolton had the great, uh, you know, great defensive effort on on the in, the, in LSU game, and then um, and then Basilak was 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 just money driving uh, Missouri down the field. To end, it ended up being a chip shot field goal, basically. It wasn't even a, you know, you thought 
just just get them get them a chance to get the field goal unit on the on the on the field and didn't heck it was a chip shot so uh, hats off and and look uh, I think Eli Drinkwitz is the SEC coach of the year um, and uh, you know, he he keeps bringing up the you know the over the preseason over under the expectation on his team was two or two and a half or three or something it wasn't that way with me I thought Missouri had the opportunity to be a five and five team but he has used the you know the the disrespect chip on the shoulder what what have you and is is used it well I guess um, and he I thought it was an interesting news conference Suichi he had earlier this week when my interpretation of what he said was look we are you know we this football program is holding up its end of the bargain now you know fan base boosters everybody else climb on board do what you you know do your part and um, and, and let's see this thing soar. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Blair, and I think that's kind of what I took away from it. And I, I really think the biggest thing maybe is that Eli Drinkwitz finally has some actual tangible results to kind of you know back up a little bit. And I wrote about this too a little bit after the LSU game in the sense that in, in the lead-up, in the whole lead-up to the 2020 season, you know, whether that be the pandemic or racial reckoning in this country or you know, delays, cancellations, postponements, anything you want to throw Eli's way. He's, he did a very good job, you know, getting the team's trust, you know, during a pandemic and during, and doing it over Zoom and, and all of these hardships. But at the end of the day, he, he didn't quite have that, you know, the real tangible results. But now he does. You know, when you're five and three and you're expected to win, like you said, two or three games um, by, by the odds makers and you go out and win five games and probably six maybe seven I, I i you you look at that as a booster or a fan and you feel great about it and the biggest thing too that that's kind of struck me is the fact that one this isn't his roster and and he's still doing it but two is the fact that it's been a depleted roster he said he only has 59 scholarship players you know he's not dressing the 80 or however i believe the 80 player you know limit i guess for sec football games so you've got all of these you, factors going against him and, and he's still getting the job done and I think part of that was I think he was a little bit fortunate in the sense that he had somebody guy a guy like Connor Basilak um be you know be kind of a player who can step in and contribute immediately like that as a redshirt freshman but um at, at the end of the day he he's doing well in the recruiting trail he, he's only going to get more of his guys and, and eventually next year finally for him he won't have NCAA sanctions going against them uh docking in four scholarships and some recruiting weeks. So you, you've got all of these things that point to positive momentum. And uh, as a fan or a booster, it, it probably does make you want to buy season tickets or go to the games or, or contribute, you know, your money uh, to, to new projects like the indoor football facility. So it, it, I think Drinkwitz is, is very strategically kind of called for that. And, and I think fans should, should kind of want to buy in at this point. One thing I'd add just to the sort of the coach of the year case you said it as many words, Suichi, but it's worth it's of all the years that it's worth noting. This is a first year coach. I think that's that's a factor in any case you're making for coach of the year when you are installing <laughs> an entirely new program. And, oh, there's this pesky can't pandemic and you can't quite do it the way you would have. Um, I think all that that implies that you had to overcome to just properly put in a system, but also to have the engagement and buy-in from your players, despite all that, that's it's a pretty compelling case. Yeah. Not only a first year coach, but a first year coach from a different program, different classification. It wasn't like an assistant coach being elevated and knew the, 
you know, knew the lay of the land. It, that just was not the case with uh, when Eli Drinkwitz came from Appalachian State. So a couple of things that I've noticed about um, Missouri and Suichi, uh, please uh, dissuade me of this if, if, um, if, if I'm wrong, but the offensive line play has just been terrific. Uh, or, uh, terrific may be too strong a word, but much better than it was last season. And, um, and of course, he made the right decision, as it turns out, with the quarterback. You know, it was Sean Robinson at the beginning of the year. And after a game, um, you know, a game and a half, it, you know, he, he made the switch to Basilak. And it, both, uh, you know, the improved play of the offensive line and the switch to Basilak, I think, is uh, were very key, key components to what we're seeing from Missouri this year. And not surprising, uh, coming from a coach who's, um, whose expertise is on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Blair, the offensive line play, I think, is perhaps arguably the biggest thing that has kind of led to the success. And I really think it does come down to the trenches. And really, you, you looked at this offensive line, and it struggled hardcore last year. I was talking about this with a few people, and it was just they, – they struggled so much last year on the offensive line, and they – and they kind of, you know, let go of three players who ended up being pretty decent. You know, y- Yasir Duran is obviously with the Chiefs now. He's gotten some playing time. Um, Tristan Colon Castillo, he's with the Ravens, and he started, uh, albeit though that was during a COVID-19 outbreak on Baltimore. And Javar Wallace-Sims was, I believe, on the practice squad, or at least got a shot with the NFL with the Jaguars. And you, you lose those three, they didn't look good, and you kind of wonder what what's going on here. And then after all of that, Mizzou looks pretty you know pretty stout up front and you got guys like Larry Borum and Case Cook and Michael Maietti they're they're very experienced they've had snaps but then you know the 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 other spots are maybe a little bit you know left tackle has been kind of um not not as much of a sure thing but you look at this line and and you're kind of surprised just because you lose so many people and and then it, it somehow gets better and I think that's kind of set the tone a little bit and and I think with first year coaching staffs it's really one of those things where you can't really see how good of a job they're doing just because there's not enough time, especially at a position like offensive line, because that takes at least a few seasons in terms of development and, and seeing what you can do with the guys you have, especially with the guys you know you don't necessarily have right now because of recruiting and, and roster and all that things we mentioned. But I think there's a reason why Marcus Johnson is a nominee for a top assistant coach. Um, and, and you're, you're kind of seeing that and it's, it's really laid down the foundation for Mizzou, I think. Uh, and I think they really needed that in a year when you're only playing an SEC schedule for sure. Okay, so we'll have offensive-minded Eli Drinkwitz against defensive-minded Kirby Smart on Saturday in Columbia. Really looking forward to this game. Okay, guys, let's take a break. And when we come back, let's switch uh, the topic to basketball. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We are back with Suichi Tirada, who covers 
Mizzou for the Kansas City Star, and columnist Vahe Gregorian. Guys, um, the football game against Georgia is only half of the big sports uh, calendar for Missouri on on Saturday. That evening, Illinois and Missouri play in Columbia. Suichi, remind us how this game ended up in Columbia. Yeah, it was a uh, – I, I... I have all the respect for uh, Andy Katz. He stretched somehow a coin flip show into 30 minutes. <laughs> I think that is an absolutely legendary performance. Hats off to him. Uh, yeah, but Mizzou won a coin flip. It was kind of funny when on the video you could kind of see the Illinois eye on the bottom as, as Andy kind of did the little flip thing. But, yeah, it, it's a great game. I think it's kind of a shame that it fell on a very packed football Saturday. So the game is actually on SEC Network Alternate, which uh, I know football, Mizzou – on the football side has kind of been relegated two, three times this year. So it is that that's a, maybe a little bit of an unfortunate part. Another part obviously is that there will be no fans just because of the neutrality and it's not an impress center and all these things. And the teams agreed to that. So it'll be missing, you know, like it'll be missing certain factors, especially during the pandemic. But I, I still think we're in for a very competitive and good ball game. And, and I think, pretty much any Mizzou fan, obviously it's, it's easy to say this, but pretty much any Mizzou fan would take 4-0 going into bragging rights against the top six, I guess, number six in Illinois um, for bragging rights. For sure. Look, a um, uh, Brad Underwood in Illinois uh, coming off a, uh, a, a walloping of Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium earlier this week. It's uh, They are playing t- tremendous basketball, but so so is Missouri. And I've been so impressed with what I've seen from Conzo Martin's team this year, just up and down the roster. I mean, you can, we can, we can take any player who's in the in the playing rotation and and basically say something really good about it because it's just been that way. I don't have what. Let's see if I've got this right. The victories over um, Oral Roberts, Oregon, Wichita State on the road, and then most recently Liberty. Um, there have been. Not different stars every game, but you know there there been some there's been consistency for sure from some players, but um, but everybody seems to be contributing to to this team and the success of this team. So, what has stood out to you, Suichi, about the way the Tigers are playing? Yeah, and the number one thing I think that you can't ignore is just the pace of play, and you're seeing it a lot more. Um, because I remember I watched every obviously I watched every game of Mizzou basketball last year. There were times when that offense just could not get anything going. They were slow. They were deliberate. They were turning the ball over. They couldn't hit three pointers. That led to some very ugly games, especially because Mizzou is still you know they're still going to defend the ball at a, at a very high level to the level Conzo Martin wants it. So, but this year you know they've they've really put an emphasis on that. And even during the Liberty game, I think the first fifteen minutes or so when the Flames were kind of looking for that upset bid and built it an 11-point lead. I, I was kind of struck by this one stretch where Drew Smith blocked the three, then that gave Mizzou an opportunity to run, and then the next thing you know, it's a four-point game. Mizzou comes to take the lead, and then they win for good. So it, it's even when Liberty was kind of schematically playing it, so they if they weren't going to let Mizzou run, they, they still found an opportunity to do so, and, and that's when things kind of fell apart, I, I think, for Liberty a little bit. So... You, you look at that and you look at a guy like Mark Smith. I, I was so impressed with him on Wednesday night just because he started over four from three. He finished four for eight. You know, he, he missed four straight and he made four straight. And, and he's been playing lights out this year. And Drew Smith, who I mentioned, I think is, is still Mizzou's number one most important player just because of what he does. And both those guys have scored double figures in all four games. I don't think that really happened last year at all. You, you see the gaudy point per game totals and, 
you kind of wonder like what happened compared to last year and it's all those things i mentioned so and then obviously uh, i'll probably have an article run up uh either friday or saturday but mizzou's defense is still the dna kind of the soul of their team so you mix all of that into getting a four and i'll start and a very real shot i think of getting ranked regardless of what happens at bragging rights Hey, Blair, I would just add one one little thing that I, I have sort of followed with interest. Soichi, I hope I'm remembering correctly that Kanzo was talking about Mitchell Smith when he said he's like <laughs> a credit card. You wouldn't want to leave home without him. Um, and the reason I bring that up is I remember Mitchell Smith coming in uh, in the Kim Anderson era, and he was about – I'm making this number up, but it's probably an okay estimate. He's about 60 pounds lighter, and it didn't look to me like uh, like like he was going to going to be a factor. And I, I I I just think of him in terms of the context of development of players. And um, I'm not sure there's anybody in the program right now that you would you would say represents that more than Mitchell. Yeah, it was just kind of the same thing I think with Reed Nico last year, especially when yeah. Tillman went down. But you know, Vahe, it's a <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned a guy like Mitchell Smith because then you kind of forget about other guys like Drew Bugs, the graduate transfer, and kind of just heap praise on him last night for for his efforts, even though he hasn't he hasn't scored. You know, he's had zero points through four games, but he had five assists Wednesday night, and and he, him and guys like Xavier Pinson, Javon Pickett. You know, till, we haven't even spoken about Tillman, and he's been playing great yeah. on the rebound, especially rebounding the ball and. and like Blair said, it's it's crazy how much depth this team has, and and who and pretty much you can pick anybody on this roster in the rotation and be like this guy has has done well. He's played his role, and I think there's a lot of buy-in from a very experienced team, which is which is why you feel good. I think just not necessarily just because of the experience, but you can see the buy-in, you can see that they're battle tested, you can see that they had to weather injuries in past years, and that doesn't hurt. You know, Kansas mentioned this a few times. That doesn't hurt when you know, teams kind of know or can adjust on the fly to an injury just because of past seasons. And, you know, that's kind of a, kind of maybe an unfortunate thing, but it, it, I think it'll give Mizzou an edge uh, if the pandemic ends up affecting the steam down the line, which it probably will. Tell you what, Pinson sure can fill up a stat line, can't he? <laughs> yeah. it, it, I, just in watching them, he's the guy my eye goes to the most, I think, in a lot of ways. I think he's the most exciting player just because you never know what's going to happen when he kind of barrels into the paint on a fast break. Uh, more times, I, I will say more time, more good things happen than bad, but uh, sometimes it gets a little chaotic, which is, uh, but it, it's fun to watch for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Tillman a little while ago. I don't think we've ever had a conversation about Missouri basketball without mentioning Jeremiah Tillman. You know, he, you know, he, he's just a guy you pull for um, and, and he has, he seems to have made, the the progress that um, that that's, that needed that was needed of him. I always when I look at his numbers, I, I go to the rebounds first, but then I go to the fouls second. And if he's you know, if, you know it's, it's invariably four or five in his career, but it's not that way this year with him. Um, he seems to be you know playing uh, you know largely out of outside of foul trouble, and he is a he can be a, a darn effective player. Yeah, we, what is it about him that's allowed that? I, I I have found myself really curious about that too. And do you think it's kind of fixed? In, um, in I don't know. What sense? I don't know if it's fixed. Just because he did deal with very subtle foul trouble against Wichita State, uh, I think he picked up his like third foul, like seven seconds into the second half or something. 
it kind of made him sit. So there was that one game, but you, you can kind of tell the maturity with, with Jeremiah is just so different this year. And, and, and obviously, you know, I don't know how much of our readership knows, but, you know, he, he has a kid, I believe, um, around four years old or getting somewhere around there. Um, don't quote me on that, but, you know, there's, there's definitely this maturity and he's kind of alluded to it when we talk to him in, in the sense that, you know, it's his senior year. He's got to be more mature. He's got to be more of a leader. Um, he's been through some stuff that, that kind of changed perspective. And, you know, when a player says that sometimes, you know, it, it sounds good, but you, you're never sure until you see it. And I think this year with Jeremiah, you, you can see it. You, you can see kind of a unique mindset. You can see, I think, a little bit more comfort in his role just because, you know, he, he's really put an emphasis on, on, on how, how many rebounds he's going to get this year because, you know, I think he'll admit this too. Like he wasn't a great rebounding center last year. You know, the numbers didn't show it. And, and, and this year is, is completely changed, you know? And, and so I think you, you look at this and, and you look at Jeremiah and you look at that. He's like a, you know, he's no longer an 18 year old kid. He's a 22 year old man. And I think that that is one of Mizzou's greatest strengths. When, when you can have a leader like Jeremiah, who, who is putting in the work behind the scenes by all indications and, and once again, you, you feel real good about this basketball team, especially compared to a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Okay, let's wind it down by uh, let me, uh, allowing me to ask you the question, who has a better opportunity uh, to win on Saturday, Missouri football or Missouri men's basketball? Vahe, oh, we'll, start, we'll start with you. Better opportunity to, to emerge victorious. They're, they're, but they're, they'll be underdogs in both. We know that the – there are underdogs in football. I don't think we've seen a line for basketball yet, but Illinois will come in favored. I, this is a tough one. I, I'm going to go with basketball, um, but I, I am not saying I don't think that that game could come down to the end with Georgia, I, but I just think that uh, the pieces are more in place for basketball to have a better chance. Um, so, okay. yeah, we'll see. And by the way, just a quick aside with that, I saw recently on Twitter our friend Dave Matter at the Post-Dispatch you know, it's a different audience there, right? It, they, when you poll a Missouri fan about Missouri-Illinois, that, that's a different kind of thing that would be over here. And right. I think his poll results show that if, if you could have the team win one game that day, which would it be? The school win one game. Would it be football or men's basketball? And it was Hang 70 don't, don't say, don't say. Oh, let me, let, let's guess. I haven't seen that. Okay. I, I would say football. What do you think, Suichi? Or you, you probably oh, know. I, I saw the poll, so I won't guess. But yeah, okay. I believe it was football, right, Bahe? It was. 70% were, 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 were pulling for football, which I think is interesting given how we, uh, you know, the, the Missouri-Illinois thing is, a, is you know, built into Christmas uh, this time of year, every year over there. It's a big thing. All right, yeah, Suichi, I, better chance of emerging victorious, uh, yeah. basketball or football? Yeah, I do. I do think I lean a little bit more basketball, and not. And I think part of the reason, as Vahe mentioned, is, is depth and experience, but just the fact that these players have, have played at Bragg and Rise the past few years, and they've won the last two. And <laughs> it's funny because I'll pull up Twitter or I'll pull up you know Reddit College Basketball, and I'll see. I'll see uh, Illinois fans say something like, I can't wait for bragging rights when Javon Pickett has another career game, which which for whatever reason he does every year. Uh, you know, it, it's it's funny like that. And and I, I just think, you know, not to say Mizzou, Georgia doesn't mean anything. Obviously it does, you know, rank matchup, all those things. But, you know, when it is going up against maybe your home state and you have so many players who are from Illinois, you got the Pickett. 
you got the Jeremiah Tillman, you, you, you got a guy like Mark Smith, who obviously played at Illinois his freshman year. And, and you, you have, and I, I know I'm missing a few players, but what, what it's a little bit more personal, I think that gives Mizzou a little bit of an edge and, and they played like it the past few years. And I, I know the seniors on this team, the many seniors are, are going to want to go out with uh, one more bragging right to win to close out their season if they so choose to, to leave after this year. Okay. Well, I'll be the contrarian here and say football. And I'll say football <laughs> because I think that Georgia will come in, even though even though JT Daniels is playing great, the offense has been better um, since he's been the quarterback, Georgia's not playing for anything except for standing. And they're not playing for an SEC East. They're not playing to go to the, the championship game. So I wonder, I wonder about the the powerful SEC schools motivations in games played this late in the season. So we see it in bowl games sometimes when SEC you know SEC powers teams lose the the conference championship game or didn't get into the college football playoff um, you know or relegated to a bowl game that uh, that there's nothing in it for them except for the game itself and you know, we see a Utah beat Alabama or a Texas beat Georgia or something like that. And I, I wonder if there will not be that kind of sense this this Saturday. It would be huge for Missouri to win this game uh, on the gridiron. And for Georgia, you know, they're, they're, they're coming into Columbia and playing a hungry team, a confident team, you know, a team that's in a really good frame of mind. So I'll say football. And that's not to suggest Missouri basketball can't win that, that night either. But I'm, I'm going to go with football. So – Okay, for Suichi Tirada and Vahe Gregorian, I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Thanks a lot for tuning in, and thank you guys for participating. Thanks, Blair. All right. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Suichi Tirada and Vahe Gregorian for stopping by and talking about Mizzou. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another good deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass 2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having any trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkhoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with a breakdown of the Chiefs-Dolphins game.